Um, almost all of Paul's letters were written to correct a church's course. Most of Paul's letters were trying to help a church that was pretty infantile and, and immature, and they'd gotten off course. So we've named this series what? All seven of you. That's really good. We've named this series what? And, and so every one of these letters, Paul's trying to get the church back on course. And so today we're going to be in the book of Galatians, and you can download your app. All the scripture readings this week are from the book of Galatians, and you can keep up with all this. All right. Now I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to read some scripture from Galatians on the screen. If you would, stand with me now. And I'm going to read several of these for you, but I don't want you to miss this first verse, because the very first part of this verse is really where we're going today. It's where we're headed today. So I'm going to read them out loud, and you just follow along with me, all right? Here we go. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, I'm warning you, as I did before, that those who live like this, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, however, moreover, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or kindness, patience rather, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Now, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, let me go to the sixth chapter, chapter 6, and here's two more verses that are key for us this morning. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A a man or a woman, a person, they, they reap. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now, I want to go back to my key verse, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and I want all of us to say this out loud together. Ready? All of us together, here we go. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. All right, men, men only, all the men in the room. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Ladies only, here we go. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. All of us. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. All right, go home. Good night. Have a seat. Have a seat. All right. So 31 of us, just a couple of weeks ago, just got back from Israel. Had an amazing trip. And you would probably expect me to say what caught my attention the most 
might be like the garden tomb or the garden of Gethsemane or maybe where Jesus lived and grew up in Nazareth or around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus actually taught the the great Sermon on the Mount. Those were all cool, all, all cool. Here's what I couldn't get over. I couldn't get over the agriculture. We're on this bus and we're driving around probably, I'm guessing, 40 different sites in 10 days, I'm guessing. And we see all these different sites and you're on the bus and all of a sudden, I mean, there's just rocks everywhere. My, my friend Joe and I kept talking about, oh, there's just rocks at the end of these fields. And then there's caves. And so you wonder, you think, well, when you read the scriptures, like, well, how did David ever hide? How did David and his men hide? Well, there's these incredible caves. And so you've got mountains, caves, desert. And then all of a sudden, you've got like 10 acres of date palm trees. And then you, you drive around a little bit further, and you're in the desert, and all of a sudden you see these incredible olive groves and bananas. I couldn't get over the bananas. Bananas for miles and miles and miles. And so you go, how? Because it's just limestone. And so I asked the guide, and the guide said they actually scrape off five layers of soil, five layers of rocks. Folks, there are, I'm not exaggerating, there's limestone everywhere. And you see these huge rocks at the end of these fields. They've scraped off five different layers to be able then to plant, you know, a date palm, uh, 10 acres or whatever they did. And I begin to think about all of Jesus' stories about agriculture. Now, most of us in this room are not farmers. Anybody in the room a farmer? No? No farmers in the room? All right, go home. This won't make sense either, okay? So, so none of us in this room are farmers. That was their life. And so Jesus tells these stories about agriculture, something they knew, to be able to teach about something they didn't yet understand. Think about the stories. Jesus talks about the mustard seed. you got a faith like a mustard seed. Jesus talked about the four different types of soils. And, and, and Jesus tells a story about wheat and weeds, he tells the story, and he starts off with, there was this farmer, and this farmer's got this great big field, and the farmer sows good seed. Good seed goes into the ground, and the good seed is wheat, and it was good when it went in the ground, it was good when it germinated, it was good when it sprang up, it was good when it was harvested, the wheat was absolutely good, but the farmer had an enemy, And the enemy across the street is looking at the farmer and going, my goodness, if his crop is that good, his value will go up. Now, again, we don't quite get this, but it wasn't just to eat, it was life. The crop represented the value of the farmer. And the value then of the farmer, would he would then be, have the ability to barter. He would have the ability to trade. He would have the ability to do whatever he wanted to do because the value of his farm just gets higher and higher. And so this farmer, even though he planted wheat, good seed, he has an enemy. And the enemy is across the fields looking over and going, my goodness, that's going to be a good crop. I got to do something to devalue my neighbor's farm. And so while he slept, the enemy planted 
tares, or we would say weeds today. He planted weeds in the field. And so when the crop then begins to grow up, there's wheat and there's weeds growing at the same time. And then Jesus just leaves the story. And he goes into a house. The Bible says he goes into a house and probably sits down to eat. And the disciples are going, did you understand that? I didn't understand that. Did you understand that? I don't have a clue what he meant. Well, you ask him. No, I asked him last time. I looked dumb last time. I'm tired of looking dumb. You look dumb this time. And so finally somebody has the courage and said, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? What's the deal with the wheat? And what's the deal with the weeds? And Jesus said, all right. The Son of Man planted good seed. And while he planted good seed in the ground, he has an enemy, the devil, and the devil's going to plant all these weeds around it to devalue the wheat. And the point about the story is there is a war between two worlds. There is a war between the kingdom of God and there is a war between the kingdom of darkness. And in the middle of that are a bunch of wheat, you and I, and a bunch of weeds, people who either aren't Christians, who are not going to become Christians, but they are both planted in this story. And the point of this story, the point of this story is there is a war between two worlds, and it's not your war. It's not your battle. There is a war going on between the owner of the field, which is God, and his enemy, the devil, and it's not your war. This battle belongs to the Lord. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. That's not our war. We're kind of caught in the middle of this war. There's weeds and there's wheat, and we're in this war. That is not your war. But what Paul is talking about in the book of Galatians, that's your war. That's your battle. Jesus tells a story in Matthew 13, and that's not your war. That's the war between his father and between the enemy, and and God's going to win that battle. But the war that you and I have is right in here. It's right in here. It's the flesh and it's the spirit. It's the war between the flesh and the war between the spirit. Again, going back to the other war story, you were wheat. You were good wheat. And all he's trying to do is plant all these tares to make you less, I'm going to make up a word, weedier. Okay? I know that is, if you're an English major, I'm sorry. Okay? I'm just a preacher. But the whole point of that story is to make you less weedier. But you're still wheat. You were good seed. When you went in the ground, you're going to be good seed when you come up. The tares are just trying to distract you. That's not your war. That's not your battle. But the book of Galatians says you're either sowing by the Spirit or you're sowing by the flesh. That is your battle. That is my battle. That is everyone's battle who's a believer, who's a Christian in this room. So let's talk about this battle for just a minute. Because Paul makes it really clear that even as a believer, you're going to sow in here to the flesh, or you're going to sow in here to the Spirit. And that's your choice. And he makes it really, really clear what sowing to the flesh is. He talks about sowing to the flesh is sexual immorality. Sowing to the flesh is 
drunkenness. Sowing to the flesh is dissensions and, and, and anger and malice and rage. And sowing to the flesh is self-centeredness. He called it selfish ambition. He makes it really, really clear. I don't think I need to spend much time telling you about how to sow to the flesh. I think we get that naturally. It's kind of like the weeds, you know, in the, in the other story. Nobody has to tell a weed to grow, right? Weeds just grow. The flesh just kind of rises up. So, so the challenge for us is how do we sow to the Spirit? And then the first question that comes to play is, do I want to do that? Do I want to spend a lifetime of sowing to the Spirit? Well, let's say that you don't. Or let's say that you're not really, really sure. I just want to share with you right now, quickly, three truths that will happen to you if you choose to sow to the flesh. And if you want to take notes, these are some fill-ins in your bulletin. But these are just three quick truths. Truth number one is this. Sin will take you further than you want to go. I think David just wanted to look at Bathsheba. Did he really want to commit adultery? Did he really want to spend a year without his relationship with God? Did he really want to have an unwanted pregnancy? Did he really want to kill Uriah, his best friend? Did did he really want to spend the rest of his life with his family that had a family lineage of rape and incest and adultery? Sin will always take you further. So again, even if you're wheat, you have to decide what you're going to sow. Will you sow to the flesh or will you spend a lifetime of sowing to, to the Spirit? But I just want you to be, understand this because Galatians is really clear, Galatians 6, 7. He says, do not be deceived. Well, you know, when you're sowing to the flesh, you want to be deceived. You don't want to know the truth. You don't really want to know the ramifications of where that's headed because you think that maybe by sinning, I'll be able to have a little bit more comfort or this is really, really worth it. But I'm just telling you, throughout Scripture, sin will always take you further than you want to go. When Jacob said to his mom, okay, we'll deceive dad. Okay, we'll deceive my brother Esau. He had no idea what that was going to be the next 21 years of his life. He had no clue the price he was about to pay. It will always take you further than you want to go. Truth number two, if you sow to the flesh. Truth number two is this. Sin will always keep you longer than you want to stay. It will keep you longer. I think David just wanted a one-night stand. I think David wanted just to have some fun and then forget about it. I think Jacob thought, because his mother said, just go away for a few days. Just go away for a few days and your brother will cool off. Jacob had no idea the pain and the distance and the length that it would take place. All Lot did was he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And before Lot knew what was happening, he was no longer outside the city. He was now inside the city. And then he was at the city gates. And then Lot was one of the the leaders inside. He had no idea where that sin would take him. But number three, not only will sin take you further than you want to go, Not only will it keep you longer than you want to stay, it will cost you more than you are willing to pay. Now, we all get that in this room. If you're over 15 years old, 
You get that, right? Because we all understand that we all tried some things. We all thought that maybe. We all pushed the limits. And yet we know that, if oh man, if I would have only known the price tag. And again, with David, he spent an entire year without his relationship with God. He writes Psalm 51 and he confesses his sins. But the rest of David's lineage, he was marked and blotted by sexual immorality. I don't think Lot would have dreamt in his wildest dreams that by doing what he did, it would have cost him his wife's life, that she would have turned into a pillar of salt. And again, Jacob, just in case you you, you read the story today, Jacob, 21 years, 21 years before he ever saw his family again. Sin will always cost us more than we are willing to pay. And so Paul says to us, he says, let's not be deceived. Now, I got one more truth I want to share. And Deb put this one on the screen before I forget this. Not only will you, you, you'll reap, you, you not only reap what you sow, but you also reap more than what you sow. That's the principle of the harvest. You plant a little bit of corn, you get an acre of corn. You plant a little bit of beans, you get an acre of beans. Now, the great news is, that this also works in a very positive sense. Because you sow to the Spirit, you will also reap an acre of of the Spirit. So let's talk about that for just a minute. Because I think most of you in this room don't want to live by the flesh. I really do. I think most of you in this room, that's why you're here, that's why you're at church, I think you really want to sow to the Spirit so you can reap a harvest of the things that are of God. So what does that look like? Well, he tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and verse 23, he tells us the fruit. He tells us the harvest. He tells us what it looks like if we sow to the Spirit. Now, everybody in the room, you have this choice. I can't make this up for you. But in your context, where do you, who do you need to love? Do you have some unlovely people in your life? Man, this is the holy, holiest church I've ever seen. We have no unlovely people in our life. Are, are there any people in your life that you have to be patient toward? Any, yes, I got an amen out of that, okay? All right. So, so the point is, this is what we sow. We sow love. We sow joy. Joy is not based on our circumstances. Joy is based on our relationship with Christ. We sow joy. We sow love, joy. We sow peace. We are peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Love, joy, peace, patience. Now, this is a hard one for me. It's a hard one for about all of us in this room. But when we're patient with somebody, we are sowing to the Spirit. And I'm going to say this, and even though my wife's in this room, when we're sowing impatience, we're sowing to the flesh. Please don't use that against me. Please don't. All right? We all do that, right? We all have that. So these are the things in our lives that we're going to sow because it's sowing to the Spirit. And we're going to reap, we're going to reap an amazing harvest of righteousness. Let's just take the word love for just a minute. Just love. So um, about three years ago, there's this elderly couple at one of the Starbucks. He, he's a World War II um, Dude, vet, vet, great guy. But they are just sour. He and his wife, they look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. I, I'm not exaggerating. 
and, and neither one of them have been baptized. Trust me on that, all right? I've gotten to know. But they, they are just stern and solemn. And so I, I decided I'm going to make them smile. I'm going to get to know them. So I, I'm trying to say hi to them, and it's just... I mean, they don't, they don't smile. They don't greet you. It just just kind of shake their head. We saw them at Bonefish. Erica was the oldest daughter. The youngest daughter was with me. And Danita, Ethan, I don't know where Ethan was. but so, so they met the girls, and I'm trying to warm them up a little bit, and they're just like, you know, just, just, just nothing. So two years ago, I'm in line with, with him. He's in front of me. And uh, he and his wife get the same thing. They get coffee every day, which is funny. I don't even drink coffee, by the way. Uh, I drink unsweet green tea, but Starbucks is where it's happening as far as evangelism. So anyway, so I, I, I'm, I, I'm there. I, I'm there, and I buy his coffee. I buy their coffee that morning. I don't know what it costs. I never buy coffee. Three bucks a piece or four bucks or whatever. I buy their coffee. From that moment on, they have no children. I am their long-lost son. I spell my name carefully to be in the will. I mean, from that moment on, all I did, I bought them a cup of coffee. That's all it took for them. And, and, and it's amazing. They see me. They find me. They talk to me. They ask me questions. They know all about my family. It took two cups of coffee is what it took to make a difference in their life. About a year ago, she saw me on my iPad in there. The wife did. And she said, I just got a new computer. Can you help me? And the millennials on our staff would think this is really funny, somebody asking me to help somebody else with technology. I said, you know, what do you want to do? And I could help her with all this. I said, God, you got a great sense of humor. About three months ago, they get a new car. It is pour, it's buckets. It is pouring down. They still come in the rain. And she said to me, can you help me? I can't get the windshield wipers on. I don't know how they got there. And the defrost doesn't work. I don't know how the defrost works. We go out in the rain, this older lady and I do, and she's sitting in the passenger seat. I'm sitting in the driver's seat, and I say, God, you know, I, I'm terrible with mechanics, but help me now. Help me now. Please help me now. And I, we get it all going. It's just, it, my point is this. Who in your life can you love? That's sowing to the Spirit. Who around you do, you do you need to be loving and joyful and patient and kind and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? That, that's the results of sowing to the Spirit. I love that story. And I love this couple. They're not Christians yet. I hope they become believers before it's too late. He's, he's run out of time. He really is. So you can sow to the flesh or you can sow to the Spirit but today is the first day of the rest of your life. And you will have to make a choice as to which of the two you want, you want to do. So think about this. And at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to do two things. Number one, I'm going to ask you to figure out in your life right now, is there an area in your life where, where you're sowing to the flesh? Now, maybe, maybe don't go for the jugular right now, but go for something easy. Just pick something easy. What are you doing right now that you know? See, sowing to the flesh is real easy to identify because it's always outside the will of God. Sowing to the flesh is always outside the margins of Scripture. Sowing to the Spirit is always within the will of God. Sowing to the Spirit is always within the margins of Scripture. It's real easy to identify. So in, in just a minute, I want you to think about this. Where in your life... 
if you're not being deceived, if you're being honest, this really isn't helping this behavior, this mentality, this thought process, this attitude, this action. Where in your life this really isn't helping me to sow a harvest of righteousness. And then I want you to think about at the end as well, is what, what, what's a step? What, what's a step? Getting baptized this afternoon, huge step. Reading the Scriptures this week out of Galatians. You can download the app. Just read the Scriptures. It's a huge step of sowing to the Spirit. Maybe it's turning off this, but turning on, you know, your phone to read to you the book of Galatians. Maybe it's that learning to pray, that five-minute time and a place, time and a place, time and a place. I'm convinced if you do not have a time and you don't have a place, same time, same place every day, you won't have a very effective prayer life. I'm convinced of that. After 35 years as a pastor, the only people who have effective prayer lives, time and a place, time and a place, time and a place, maybe that's a step for you. Maybe that's a step for you uh, this week. Maybe it's a commitment to join a connect group the, the next time. Maybe it's a commitment for you financially. Maybe it's a commitment for you for missions. Maybe it's a commitment for you, what, whatever it is. So right before Israel... Um, we went out to dinner with a couple from our church, and, and they're in their 80s. And we just, we just love this couple. We just adore this couple. And um, they, they took us out to dinner. And um, what's so neat about this couple is they've been married 64 years. That's one cool thing. But they've spent 64 years together sowing to the Spirit. And they have planted new churches. They've been involved in a half a dozen outreach ministries. They were involved in some different evangelistic opportunities with shows and and different uh, pieces that were outreach-oriented. They've been involved in old-fashioned Sunday school. They've been in Sunday school for years and years and years and had their friends and and they've been praying for their family members, praying for their friends. And, and, and this couple, they're, they're stoked about the wedding chapel, which is great, because they see the value of equipping people for marriage. But, but they don't walk so fast anymore. They don't change diapers in the nursery anymore. They're not going to do that. In fact, they had walkers, and both walkers, they, they've named their walkers. I thought that was really weird. All of a sudden, they start talking about two more people, and I'm looking around going, you know, it's just four of us. And then I realized it was their walkers they're talking about. It was hilarious. But this couple, how they've poured into the kingdom of God and all the different churches and all the different neighbors and all the different business associates, I can only imagine all the fruit that they're reaping today on this earth But I can't even begin to imagine for all of eternity the people that are going to come up to them and say, I know you don't know me, but you planted that church and Harry and Sally and Joey and Susie and whatever, they end up baptized. They have no clue to the extent of their ministry. I think that's what we want. But we're deceived if we're worried about the flesh. 
We're deceived if we're worried about my will and my pride and my way. We are deceiving ourselves. That, that's, not a, that's not a fight you want to get into. This is the fight you want to win. This is the war you want to win. This is what you want to sow inside here. Sowing seeds of the Spirit to the Spirit. That's why Paul says, since we walk by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's listen to the Spirit. Let's obey the Spirit. Let's do what the Spirit of God is calling me to do. And the wonderful news is, every one of us in this room, today and tomorrow, can sow seeds and sow to the Spirit. And your life is never the same when you're in the will of your Heavenly Father. So my first prayer is, is that you're not being deceived. Because sin will always take you further, farther, faster than you ever want to go. It'll cost you more than you ever want to, you want to pay. It always will. Always has. Always does. You really don't want to sin. You really don't. You really don't want to sow to the flesh. Honestly, nobody in this room really has ever said it's worth it. But everybody has said, sowing to the Spirit and reaping the, what the Spirit has to offer is so, so valuable. So I'm going to ask you to do those two things. Um, I'm going to ask you to think about what am I doing? Nah, this isn't good. Nah, I'm deceiving myself. Yeah, I know better. I do. I know better. And, and I'm going to push delete on one of those things. And then... Again, maybe it's a baby step. Maybe it's a giant step. Maybe it's getting baptized. Maybe it's something huge. But what am I going to do today for the rest of my life where I'm going to sow the seeds to the Spirit? So when you have that figured out, those two things, one negative and one positive, I'm just going to ask you to stand, and then I'll close this in prayer. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down at this time, if you would. Prayer partners, come down front. But if you would, when you get it, you stand, and I'll wait until most of you stand up. be deceived. There's too much at stake. Let us be sober-minded. Let us be clear. Let us, by your strength and by our friend's help and whatever accountability we need or friends around us, let us us move away from the flesh because it isn't helping me. It isn't helping us. It's really not getting us where we want to be. So So don't let us be deceived because we're going to reap what we sow. And we're going to reap more than what we sow. So let us sow love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Let us sow with our finances. Let us sow with our hands and our feet. Let us sow with words of encouragement. Let us sow with powerful support and love and prayers of our friends and our family. 
Let us sow and sow and sow and sow and sow all for you and for your glory and for your honor. May this be one of those watershed messages that changes us forever and forever and forever. To your glory and honor we pray.